0: You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim bridgewater Ventures. Hello everyone welcome to episode 17 of republic city report the legend of core podcast i'm your host tim bridgewater bender i want to start off by saying that i apologize for that uh the fact that these updates are not happening regularly um the fact that nickelodeon is now kind of uh Rolling out these shows two, three at a time, a week, skipping a week. Uh, As I said in previous episodes, the schedule for Legend of Korra has always been a little bit weird. As long as the schedule keeps fluctuating like that, expect for this podcast to not be updated, you know, As accurately and quickly as I would like, because, well, it's kind of tricky now because I have to watch two or three episodes in a night and then I may not be able to I may not have time to record three episodes of the podcast, because remember, now I'm going to be recording an episode of the podcast per episode of the show even if they all air in one night. So because of that, my scheduling has been a little bit off, but just bear with me and I'm going to try to keep doing these. And I want you guys to keep emailing me and such like that. Now, with that being said, I want to take this time to remind all my listeners that uh, this podcast is more so of a listener feedback, sort of a podcast, which means I really like to get emails with your questions and concerns and theories, and uh, I will read them on air and try to answer them the best way that I can and everything like that. So uh, remember to send me an email at republiccityreport city report at gmail.com. At any point, there's also a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Republic City Report, trying to get that page built up. So please, if you're a listener, go over there and give it a like. And that way you'll know exactly when the new episodes of the podcast are released and everything like that. Now, with that being said, I do have an email for this episode from Lauren. Lauren, thanks again for emailing me. Uh, We're going to talk about. Uh, episode two first though and then i'm going to go into lauren's email and she's posted some really good questions about the future of the series and certain characters and things and such like that so stay tuned for that if you want to hear that now once again of course this episode is going to cover uh book three change chapter two rebirth now i realize at this point at the point that at the At the time that I'm recording this episode, there are five episodes of Legend of Korra released. And this is the Saturday. Today is a Saturday after the new episodes just released. So I have seen the first three. I still have not seen the second two yet. So once again, I'm going to kind of be be talking about things and theorizing things as if I haven't seen those episodes. Well, because I haven't. So when you email me, try to keep that in consideration that I may not be caught up. So let's try not to spoil anything. If you have any uh, general questions though about the future of the series or anything like that, I'll try to answer those. I'm trying my best to get caught up. Hopefully this weekend I'll be able to because I'm off work and I have a little bit of extra time. Okay, so with that being said, uh, let's just jump on into it. Now, of course, Uh, The big thing this season now is the fact that uh, Korra left the the spirit portals open. And as a result of that, all sorts of weird change is starting to happen here. Spirit vines, everything like that. But of course, the biggest thing this season is the fact that as a result of this, we now have new airbenders showing up. Uh, We saw that Boomi's now an airbender. We're seeing some people uh, just kind of scattered about. But this episode is basically about um, the fact that most of these airbenders are now starting to pop up in the Earth Kingdom. So we get a chance to revisit Earth Kingdom. Uh, So the episode basically just starts off with that. Uh, Asami shows up with an airship from Future Industries, and then Team Avatar gets on. And they go, but only after taking a couple moments to try to convince Mako to join back in. Because once again, there's the whole awkwardness there between he and Korra, and he and Asami. But I'm glad they managed to rope him back in. Uh, well, we can thank Bolin for that, right? And the funny thing about it is that this moment where Bolin is kind of saying, "Well," You know, this is where our dad is from. And what if we run? What if I run into our grandmother and this, that and this and that? And it turns out that ends up happening uh, not in this episode, but the next. So but we'll save that conversation for the next episode. So they get Mako on board and then it begins this journey. They realize that, you know, we're going to head to Ba Sing Se. If you remember, the, basically the capital of the Earth Kingdom is Ba Sing Se. It, was, it played a really big role in uh, The Last Airbender. A lot of adventures there with Aang and the crew. Uh, so it's kind of exciting to revisit some of these places and see how they have progressed and see how the characters have changed and everything like that. So, but on the way there, there's lots of other stops. There are lots of other reports of other uh airbenders popping up, so we basically just kind of get this montage of them traveling uh with these little uh you know kind of cute graphics uh graphic of of them going across the map and uh but of course um Tenzin is not necessarily the best salesperson on this kind of thing. And, and the funny thing is, is that you would think he would be because he's the one with the closest ties to this giving, you know, being that he is one of what uh, four original airbenders left at this point. I think four. Right. Let's see. There's Aiki, Milo, Janora, and he. Yeah. And we don't know at this point of if Pima is going to be. Uh, an airbender (laughs) so yeah so he has the most you know the most emotional ties to this the the air nomads have been wiped out for a long time once again Aang was the last airbender so this is a big deal to him so it's very personal um but he's just terrible at it so he's he's terrible at selling this idea so we get this really humorous montage of him just going door to door to all these people in earth kingdom uh, basically just not, not do just doing a terrible job of selling them on the idea. You know, he's, he's mentioned the fact that you have to get tattoos and you have to be a vegetarian and you have to shave your head and, and all of these, He's focusing on these things that mean a lot to him, but to these people who aren't used to these types of things, they're not going to necessarily react as well to that. Now, eventually we do get to, um, this one, actually, I may be a little backward here. I think the first place they went, uh, they actually went to a guy's house and then kind of had dinner with he and his family and kind of explained to him, OK, now this is what we're going to need you to do. Uh, it's very important to help us rebuild the air nation and, 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 and this, that. And you have to do this. And meanwhile, this guy is, is just like, whoa, wait a second. I didn't sign up for any of this. I'm not leaving my family behind. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And that's just something that it just seems like uh, Tenzin didn't really take into consideration. You know, he's been so excited at the idea of there being new airbenders. He's thinking it's just going to be this simple thing and people are going to be jumping at the chance to 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 be a part of that culture. But these people have their own lives. And now he's seeing how, how difficult it's actually going to be to rebuild this. You know, because this guy had a family and, and, and a job and a life. And these people are not going to just want to pick up everything and move across the world to become a monk <laughs> for the sake of, of, of being an airbender. And this whole thing is always kind of it's been a little bit weird for me anyway, just because, um, you know, they're talking about, you know, there's a moment where Korra's is telling him that you have to, you know, Uh, learn the culture of your people. And but they're not. These people are not really, you know, they're they're not really airbenders. Right. You know, I mean, they're not not in the traditional sense. These are people that just receive the abilities just because of harmonic convergence, as far as we can tell right now. So, I, you know, to me, they don't really have any culture. You know, I mean, just because you just became an airbender doesn't necessarily mean that all these thousands of years of history, of the of the air nation is 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 yours that you can claim that uh, so I, I find it kind of strange how the writers are kind of phrasing it that way because i don't feel like it, it would be that way you know they weren't, these people weren't weren't born as airbenders and i mean it, neither was boomy but you know boomy is still Aang's son so i mean the culture and everything is still there for him Uh, which I've never really understood that, you know, even though Boomy couldn't actually airbend, it seemed like he still would have been raised in a similar way as a monk, but it doesn't appear that he was. I mean he was in the military. It just it just it, it, it makes you wonder what type of a what does it take to raise a family like that to where okay, you're an airbender, you're a waterbender, so you have to learn airbender culture. You have you know, when I say waterbender I mean Kaya. Uh, you have to learn the water bending culture, and then our other son just kind of does whatever, I guess, because he's neither. It's just—it's it, a very interesting and I think a, a complex sort of a family dynamic, I would imagine. And, and one thing I've always wanted to see at some point, and hopefully this will happen, is that one day they'll just do maybe like a little spin-off mini series or a movie or something that shows. Uh, Aang's life up until the day that he died you know just kind of picking up where Airbender left off and taking us all the way up to him passing away and then we get to kind of see Tenzin and Bumi and Kaeya's children and more of Katara and to see what the family dynamics were because they kind of hint they hinted around at some of that in the past with just flashbacks but I you know obviously we would love to see more of that. Now, meanwhile, remember, uh, with all of these so-called, you know, innocent, regular people that receive airbending abilities. We also got Zaheer, who was a criminal who was in prison and he, he now has airbending. And while all of this is going on, he's basically going around to different parts of the planet basically and freeing some of his old comrades who are also prisoners and of course just happen to also be benders right <laughs> uh water i mean we we haven't gotten we don't get to water in this episode but we get fire and earth um which i just think i think is very cool i mean of course it's very you know it's very convenient that they are all, they all happen to be the other elements you know he's an airbender now and one of them happens to be fire i mean but you know this is just writing this is a show this is how these things go and in the end it's going to end up being this really cool thing with four people all masters of one element uh i mean at least right now as far as we can tell uh my only question here is and, and, and here's where I'll pose the first, the first question of this episode. Uh, remember, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com if you have a theory on this. Um, one, one thing that I've kind of noticed about this situation, though, is that Zaheer, although he had just basically received the ability to be an airbender, he seemed to be really good at it, Right. I mean, he broke out of this White Lotus prison and he's just going around to each prison and just whooping butt. Um, I mean, it stands to reason that he he was already a very amazing martial artist. And when you're at such a high level like that anyway, it probably doesn't take much for you to pick up things and learn things very quickly. I just don't understand how he could have come so far in such a short time, especially while being in a prison. Um, so that that's a little strange for me, but that whole sequence of him going around and breaking them all out, every sequence is amazing because for one thing, it allows you to see the types of environments that these people have to be kept in so that they're not able to use their bending to escape right so for example uh i can't remember the girl's name right now of course once again these names are not common at all and this is still early on but i will know all the names by the end of this uh this season uh but you know she's kept in a place where it's really dry i think it's maybe in the bottom of a volcano or something like that because she's a water bender so they have to keep her somewhere where there's not there's very little of that you know uh so one of the cool things about these sequences is just kind of watching them go around and like um you know they kind of kicked a bowl of water through her cage and all of a sudden she had water again and and, and with the the earthbender um zaheer basically kicked this earth into the into the cage and all of a sudden he he bended the rocks and rub them together to where it made sort of this rocky flame, sort of a combination. And he sliced his way out. One of the things I've always loved about this saga, this series, meaning airbender and the legend of core is the very creative and unique ways that they will show bending. It's not just, let me push this air. Let me toss this water. They, they, they throw in all sorts of other things like, water being able to freeze and, and fire being used as lightning. And, and, you know, it's just, it's very creative to, to, to show these other methods so that it's not just the same old stuff over and over again. And I thought that that was cool. So of course, you know, once again, we've got him going around doing that at the same time, team avatars, basically traversing across earth kingdom to, uh, to try to hopefully find some more airbenders. Now, what we do come across here, um, at some point is that they do find one person who is potential. But before I get to that, (laughs) there's this really funny sequence to where they're kind of giving up, right? They're like, well, you know, uh, Tenzin, your approach isn't working. You're going door to door. People are slamming the doors in your face. Cora's like, it's time for a little tough love. Now, immediately, you know, we know how Cora is. We know that her approach is going to be a little more brash. She's going to be a little more short tempered because that's Cora. Uh, so we get this really funny sort of segment where she goes to this house, uh, and there's a lady there, and her son is an airbender. Um,. And she's basically just trying to get him out of the house and he comes out and he's very, you know, I don't know if any have seen Napoleon Dynamite, but he's very, that sort of type, you know, just whatever, who cares? Not really, you know, that, like that kind of whole thing. And it's, it's just very funny. Um, but they, you know, I think, I think we learn some things through that because, you know, Cora's basically making these statements to him saying like, you know, uh, you know, he says, I didn't ask to be an airbender. OK, so I don't have to do anything. And she's like, well, I didn't ask to be the avatar, but I still have uh, a purpose. I still have duties. And he's like, no, you don't. And she's like, yes, I do. He's like, no, you don't. You don't have to. And as I was watching that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, he kind of he kind of makes sense. You know, I mean, I don't know if the writers had intended it that way. And, and I don't know if Cora was supposed to get something from that. Um, But it kind of seemed like that in the beginning, because, you know, we've learned from the beginning that it's the Avatar's job to bring balance to the 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 world and everything like that. But has anyone ever stated for sure why that's so important? You know, and, and it seems like it's all it's always going to be a struggle. You know, will it will any Avatar ever be able to truly bring balance? You know, Aang may have come the closest, Uh, but even with that, you know, there's there's still there's still going to be evil. There's still going to be this. There's still going to be that. And Korra thought she was doing the right thing by leaving the spirit portals open and bringing the spirits in. But then that led to even more problems. But at the same time, uh, she could have been right because now we're getting airbenders again, which is sort of balancing things out. So maybe leaving the spirit portal was open was a good idea and it's just we're slowly starting to see the uh, results of that. Now what we what we also get is that, um, <laughs> so that approach doesn't work, right? Because Core uh, basically loses her temper with the guy and Ma- Mako and Bolin are like, okay, let's just go. Um, so then they're like, well, we've tried everything else, but what if we try to be entertaining about it? What if we try to do sort of a performance put on a show and let people see the fun sides of airbending and maybe you know sort of like a propaganda sort of a way it kind of reminds me of that in terms of the military and everything like that and years ago uh let's kind of show them all these positive things about it and try to get them to come to us so they kind of put on this impressive little choreographed show um where Tenzin kind of displays some of his abilities and and Mako is playing a dangerous firebender and Korra has to stop him. And it's all very impressive and very cool. And and and, and those moments like that really do remind me a lot of The Last Airbender um, because this show is a little bit more quote unquote grown up in some ways because we're dealing with older characters. But when they do things like that, it reminds me a lot more of Airbender. So it's nice to have those moments like that where it was just really fun. But of course it didn't lead to anything really because then everyone just kind of walks off and says well you know what we're not we're still not interested but out of it we get this little guy named Kai airbender uh you know of course he comes up he tells him a story about how he's an orphan and everything like that and it just seems perfect it's like wow we have this guy who you know he lost his parents so he there's nothing stopping him from coming with us And he has the interest. He's young. He wants to be there. And of course, Bolin immediately adopts him as his little brother. (laughs) So they go on the ship and they're about to leave. And then these quote unquote outlaws show up, which end up just being basically the police force of this part of the Earth Kingdom. And we find out that Kai is actually he's really the outlaw. He's kind of a juvenile delinquent. He's going around stealing from people and everything like that. Uh, So. You know, they're about to take him to jail, but they say, no, just let him come with us and all that. So, you know, immediately we're introducing a new troublemaker here into the mix in more than one way, because not only is he sort of a you know thief, but they kind of hint at a little love, a little, you know, a possible little love connection between he and Janora, which is just very funny. (laughs) And I like I like, you know, I like little moments like that. It doesn't always have to be completely serious we can we can have a little bit of romanticness in there to kind of balance it out so it's kind of fun but basically they leave with him and, and everything is, is 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 great from that point on they're excited uh, and they're on their way to Ba Sing Se. so and we'll talk more about that on the next episode but of course the biggest thing about this episode at least for me is that we get to see Zuko now you know, there's been all kinds of speculation of whether Zuko was alive or if he was dead or whatever. And I think they may have even said a few times in the past, they may have hinted at a couple things that he was alive. Right. Because I believe his daughter, his daughter is the current Fire Lord. Uh, but we finally get to see him. And I've expressed this in previous episodes, how exciting it is for us to eat, to see anyone from the Airbender series. You know, even if it's in a flashback. But it's just it's just awesome knowing that he's still alive and he's such a he's so different because he's so wise now and he's so much older uh, and he looks so cool. And we get this very cool moment of him getting on the back of a dragon and flying off. I mean, can you think of a better way to end an episode? But of course, he's now being tied into the storyline because, you know, it stands to reason that he was part of. The reason why Zahir and these other um, criminals were imprisoned because someone tells them Zahir has escaped. He's going around. He's freeing everyone. And Zuko is like, well, he's already freed these two people. I know exactly where he's going to next. And basically Zahir has a girlfriend that's in the water temple and she's obviously going to be uh, a firebender because she's being kept where it's very cold and everything like that. So he is trying to be proactive and he's saying, OK, uh, we need to warn Beifong or Republic city about this. Um, we need to let Tunrock and the water temple know about this. And then, you know, we're getting this really cool sort of global thing starting to happen now. And it's all going to obviously end up tying back into chain the the, the theme of this book being changed. And I just, I'm looking forward to seeing very much how the rest of this turns out. So, okay. Uh, that's about it for the talk about that episode. Remember any questions, theories you have about anything that I've said, send me an email at at gmail.com. I will gladly read it on air and we will talk about it. So on that note, we're going to switch over now to the today's episodes, uh, email, (laughs) From Lauren. I'm going to read this and we're going to kind of break it down and see if I can answer these questions the best that I can. Okay, so Lauren writes Hey, Tim. Lauren here. I hope you're doing well. Lauren, I am doing very well. I just wanted to say thank you for your shout out to me on your latest podcast. It meant a lot to me. Smile. I really enjoyed your podcast for A Breath of Fresh Air. I love how book three is going so far. I can't wait for In Harm's Way. Uh, I'm assuming that is the name of the next episode of uh, episode four. Uh, Okay, I love how book three is going so far. Right, right, right. Okay, (laughs) I especially can't wait for Cora's storyline about the four criminals kidnapping her. Uh, That might be a spoiler there, Lauren. Uh, I mean, you can kind of assume that something like that is going to happen, but if that has happened already, I haven't seen it. But but that's okay um i'm also happy that kai has joined the group and Janora now has a new friend i also love the sisterly teasing by cora towards Janora. um you know in terms of kai i had a question do you think senna will be a part of book three we know Tunrog will play a major part but i was wondering about your thoughts on whether or not senna will have a role this season you know how much i love senna and i really hope so with that being said of course mom does have a small role what do you think it will be I hope we see Senna healing and water bending, either to protect Korra or even better, fighting alongside her daughter. One more question. Do you think Kai will be able to change for the better by the end of Book 3? And do you think Jinora will be the one to bring, back, bring about the change? I hope to hear from you soon. Feel free to answer your next podcast. Lauren. Lauren, once again, thank you for emailing me. Email me anytime, republiccityreport at gmail.com. We want to kind of take your email um, in a couple of parts here and see how we can answer these first of all thank you so much for listening and I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast please if you have any other friends that are listening please pass it along Uh, I'm doing this for core fans so it's all free if anyone wants to come join and listen I'll be here okay let's see the first question do you think Senna will be a part of book three Um, and you're wondering about whether or not she's going to be involved and if she is to what extent um, you know, I can't. It, it, it's very it's very weird because she's she hasn't she has yet to play a major role uh, as far as I can remember. Um, as a matter of fact, I can't even remember what she looks like right now. And, and that's just because obviously I haven't watched book two since, uh, you know, November of last year. Uh, But she never played a huge role. And that's it's kind of one of those things to where it's always kind of been that way for the females in the waterbending in the water tribe. Uh, I think that's something that they addressed in an airbender. You know, like it was actually kind of unusual for Katara to be as active as she was, because most of the, the female waterbenders are healers. So unless there's some type of a civil war going on or a lot of fighting don't expect um the healers to be as prominent because they i guess there's really no reason for them uh in terms of a, a writing standpoint unless you just want to include other or you know other characters uh and then we also have Kaya who I believe is also a healer so you know that's just kind of one of those things is that i don't i don't necessarily think Um, That we'll see. I I, I think we will see Senna at some point just because, you know, like you said, now Tunrock is involved. So, you know, expect Korra to to cross paths with her father again at some point now that all of this is starting to kind of come together. And I think as a result of that, we will see Senna. I just don't think she's going to play a major part in it. Um, and, 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 and me as a fan would love to see more of her, but me as, as someone who can kind of look at things from behind the scenes, from a writing standpoint, I, I guess I don't see right now, um, why they would want to feature her more. I mean, because we, we do have, I mean, Cora herself is a, is a, is a waterbender and you know, that's her natural bending. So we, we already have a prominent waterbender in her and we also have Kaya um and you know, it's not like one of this series has always been great about, you know, having great female characters. You know, some some series suffer at that. The women only show up, they do very small things, they don't play important parts in anything. And this show has never been about that. They have I mean the main character is a female, Korra. We also have Asami, we also have Janora, we also have Kaya. You know, we have and we also have Lin-Bei Fong, all strong women, strong female characters. So since we already have all of those, I don't really see why they would bring in Senna. Uh, Once again, maybe they will, but it's got to be for something that really serves the story well. And just based on the direction that they're going right now, I don't imagine that we'll see much of her. But I hope that I'm wrong about that because I know you're a huge Senna fan. Okay. So let's see Um, your other question about Kai. Will Kai be able to change for the better by the end of book three? And do I think that Janora will be the one to bring about the change? Uh, Most certainly. Most certainly. I, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that they introduced this troubled young kid, you know, early on. You know, he 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 has to change. Right. That's the name of this book. It's book three change. Expect everyone to go through some type of a change because that is the theme. Right. So we we start off by presenting all of these characters with these sort of issues. And by the end of this thing, they'll have to have come out of it. They'll have to learn something. They'll have to grow. They'll have to evolve from it. And with all the trouble that they're having with Kai, I absolutely believe that at the end of this thing, he's going to end up probably being one of the best uh, new airbenders and he will learn something and not only that I mean in a way in sort of a weird way he, he could be sort of a little a newer version of Aang now I don't mean that in, in the the grandest scale of things I just mean that he's this young boy you know and he's about the same age as Aang was, I believe, at the end of Airbender or something like that. So imagine if he does join the Air Nation and he shaves his head and he gets a tattoo. You know, he's going to be looking a lot like Aang at that point. Uh, and he'll be an Airbender. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But yes, I absolutely think he's going to change for the better. And I do think Jinora is going to have something to do with that because they they are kind of flirting around with this idea of them kind of having like this little love Puppy love thing going on, and 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 uh, expect that to build to something. Because these these things, when they pop up, they always mean something in the long run, right? They, they very rarely do. They just introduce something and it not lead to something else. So when you see these moments, expect it to to to, to lead somewhere. Uh, now, of course, um, if you've already watched episode three, then you you kind of you see. What happens to Kai and we'll talk more about that in the next episode but you know expect them all to learn you know that may be enough to change him right there that event this experience that he's going to have in the Earth Kingdom so he may come out of this a new person with a new perspective and a new understanding everything like that so once again, Lauren, I want to thank you so much for emailing me. Uh, if anyone else has any questions or thoughts or theories you want to pose, please send me an email or public at gmail.com. That about does it for this episode. I'll be back really soon. Um, chances are the next episode of this podcast will be posted the same day as this one, because I'm really trying to get caught up. So uh, you can probably just go ahead and get ready to switch over to that one. If you want to continue uh, once again, uh, you can find me at facebook.com slash Republic city report. If you're enjoying the podcast, which a lot of you tell me that you do, please take the time, go to iTunes and just give me a good rating there and just help me get more listeners and everything like that. And, uh, and so we can keep this thing going until this show actually ceases to air. Um, but in order to get to that point, obviously I need, I need the feedback. I need the, uh, the ratings and such like that. Uh, so once again, I'll be back real soon with the next episode. Um, You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher.com. You can go to AwesomePods.com and see a whole list of other podcasts that we do. I do another one called Geekly Dose, where we just talk about a lot of general geek stuff. Um, So if you want to hear about comic books and movies and video games and all that, then you can go check out Geekly Dose. But until then, uh, for a public city report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender, and I will see you guys next time.